Welcome to From the Heart with Daryl Underwood, pastor of Servant's Heart Chapel in Clovis, New Mexico. We hope you are blessed and encouraged by this week's sermon. Now here's Pastor Daryl. We are going to be in the book of Acts, chapter 6, as we continue through Acts, a church in action, this history of the early Christian church. In Acts 6, I, we see a group of men who are chosen to serve in God's work, and then what happens with one of those men. <clears throat> so let's look at that. Getting right into it. Don't want to waste any time. We know it's rather warm in here. I thank you for your patience today. I hope the heat hasn't detracted you from from just enjoying God's presence and enjoying his peace. I hope the Lord's peace is in your hearts today. I really do. In those days, a number of disciples was multiplying, and there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews and against the, against the Hebraic Jews that their widows were being overlooked on the daily distribution. Now, let me see your flashlights on. Oh, I see what you're doing. Um, that's a lot in one chapter, or one verse, I should say. Well, a lot in one verse, so let's take it step by step. First off, I want to point out how it talked about the number of disciples was multiplying. We talk a lot, we use the word disciple, discipling, discipleship. I want you to make sure that you know, I want to make sure that you know what I mean by disciple. A disciple is a student. That's really what a, a disciple is. A student that and, and, and the actual the Greek word literally means a student that learns by observing and asking questions. And that's what we should be doing. We should be students. We should see ourselves as students of Christ. Are you, does your life reflect, you say, I'm a student of Christ. Does your life reflect what that might look like? Do you, how do we observe? We observe by uh, reading God's word and observing what happened, observing Christ's commands and, and, and asking questions uh, of ourselves and of other Christians, you know, iron sharpening iron, us finding the truth together. That's what students do. And so the, the, the author here was saying, you know, the, the, the number of students of Christ was multiplying greatly. Notice, every time someone pointed out that every time God adds, the devil tries to take away. And every time that God multiplies, the devil tries to divide. And we're going to see that here today. The number of disciples was multiplying, but there arose a complaint. Now there's a problem with that. See, that's how the devil was... Uh, trying to divide 
with a complaint. Now, why is that a problem? Well, let's look at, I'm going to turn real quick to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And we're going to read verses 7 through 10. So Paul's talking to the Corinthian church, or the church in Corinth. Don't become idolaters as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and got up to play. Let us not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in a single day, 23,000 people fell dead. Let us not test Christ as some of them did and were destroyed by snakes. Nor should we complain as some of them did and were killed by the destroyer. Now that word complain is the same exact word as in Acts. And it's in the same category as idolatry, fornication, testing God. That word complain is not just expressing a concern. It's, it's really murmuring, whining. It's, it, it also infers low whispers, right? Something you share with certain people, uh, but not to the general public. And it's a negative comment about somebody else. You see, and we're going, we're back at, at Acts 6 again. You had the Hellenistic Jews. These were Jews that were brought up in Greek culture. I, I, I'm not exactly sure. Maybe some of them weren't full-blooded Jews. Maybe they're part Greek. And then you had the, the Hebrew Jews who were full-blooded Jewish and, and, and Jewish lifestyle. Uh, and it wasn't unusual for Jews from all over to want to wanna settle in Jerusalem. They still like doing that, right? If you're Jewish, you, a lot of Jewish people like to, would love to settle in Jerusalem, like to die there. That would be something they would, and, and it was the same way back then. So they come home to Jerusalem and they retire. So you had a lot of Hellenistic or Greek Jewish people who were retired in Jerusalem. Now, of course, the only ones who could afford to retire were the more affluent ones, right? They were the wealthier ones. Uh, so they had the money to do that. Uh, and they had a problem because it was the Hebrew, Hebrew Jews that were handling the distribution of food and money, whatever, the necessities, the needs to the widows. And they felt like those widows that were, that were Hellenistic were being, not being taken care of properly. They had a concern. That concern, that, that legitimate concern was handled the wrong way because 
The word Luke used was could also be defined as murmuring. They weren't just dealing with it. They were complained among themselves, causing dissension. That's how they were handling it. And that wasn't the right way to do it. You see, you can have legitimate concerns, but it has to be handled the right way, the right time, the right person, the right spirit, for the right reason. The concern becomes, so it's, it's if I have a problem with Tim, I feel like when I was preaching up here one time, you know, I could, I thought he was, it looked like he was doing playing tic-tac-toe and not really listening. So that bothered me. I have one of two choices. I can tell Cody, can you believe Tim? This guy doesn't even pay attention at all. He doesn't take this seriously at all. You know, I bet he's not even a Christian. He just playing church. Or I can go to Tim and say, hey, Tim, I happen to notice it really looked like you were just sitting there playing tic-tac-toe. And that bothered me. I feel like I put this effort to, to produce a sermon that's of value to you and you don't really care. And it's just me and him dealing with it. See, that's the proper Christian way to deal with a problem but too many Christians go to complaining. It is pervasive. It is pervasive. Years ago, Missy and I were at a church camp in Alabama. A man stood on the platform in front of hundreds. There was about four or 500 people in the audience. And he preached on complaining. And nearly everyone came to the altar. Or tried to, right? Because there wasn't enough to, to fit 500 people. But everybody came forward to pray because they felt conviction. Because they've been guilty of complaining, of murmuring. Of taking a, a concern, whether legitimate or not legitimate, and handling it the wrong way, causing pain and dissension. And that's what was going on here. And the, very, the devil's trying to cause division. But thank God we had men who, who, were, who were led by the Spirit to handle it the right way. Because in verse 2, verse 2, then the twelve summoned the whole company and the disciples said, so the twelve, they got everybody together. That's, that's one way to do it. That's the right way to do it. Get everybody together. Especially if dissension and rumors have already started. You bring everybody together. That way we're all on one page. And they, uh, and they said, verse 2, It would not be right for us to give up preaching about God to handle financial matters.
So they saw that. It, 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 so evidently they'd been thinking, oh, we just need to take care of it ourselves. Isn't that? That infers they were thinking about that. Their statement infers that their first thought was, oh, we need to take care of this right now. We'll just start handling it. But, you know, the devil tries to distract a pastor from his primary duties. There's this constant effort to try to distract. Something, some program going on, some issue, whatever it may be. But it's my, my primary, my primary purpose here is to preach the word and to minister people, minister the word to people. That is my primary job. Everything else is icing on the cake, but nothing should take precedent over that. There's a story about a man who, who bought a parakeet. He loved this parakeet, and, and he, 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 would, he really enjoyed this parakeet, so he wanted to take care of it. And so after work one day, he goes in the store, and he, and he buys a little mirror for the parakeet and puts it in the cage, and the parakeet seemed to like that. Uh, uh, but at, at the, next, in the next day, he, he goes and buys a little ladder for the parakeet to climb up and down, and, and, and the parakeet seems to like that. But the parakeet starts acting a little funny. Like he's not real happy. And, and the next day he, he buys something else and he sees a little bell. So he buys a little bell for the parakeet to ring. And the par- and, but the parakeet seems agitated, not, not very happy. And, and the next day uh, he, he goes and, and buys a, a thing for the, the parakeet to, to spin around. And, 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 he, and he brings the parakeet. And the parakeet got the mirror and the ladder and the bell and all these things, wonderful things that parakeets enjoy. And the parakeet dies. And the guy's upset. He loves his parakeet. He's angry. And so he goes to this pet store owner that you sold me a sick parakeet. I've you know done all this stuff with parakeet, and he ends up dying. He must have been sick already. That's the owner look in the cage. And look back to the guy and say, I'm not paying you a cent. It's your fault. How is it my fault? I've done all this. How how in the world? He said, you never fed the parakeet. A lot of pastors do that. They bring all these nice, wonderful programs and books and, 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 uh, and, and, uh, events and activities I uh, uh, for people, but he doesn't preach the word. He doesn't feed the people, and so the people die spiritually. So I think that very. And you know, one day I'm going to stand before God and hold an account. I am going to be held accountable. God is going to hold me accountable, and I look towards that day with fear and trembling. And I do want to do everything I can right by you guys to make sure I preach the truth in love. I never want to skimp out because it's not the easy thing to do. 
or popular, not the popular thing to do. So the 12 decided better of it. It's not right for them to give up preaching about God to handle financial matters. Verse 3, therefore, brothers, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit. There's another full. We saw a man who was filled with greed, right? Another man was filled with envy. We don't want to be like those guys. We want to be full of the Spirit. Full of spirit and wisdom, whom we can appoint to this duty. But we devote ourselves, we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the preaching ministry. I have a responsibility to stay in prayer. It's unfortunate, but bivocational pastors, a great many of them, struggle in the area of personal prayer life because they, they, they let themselves get so busy. And I understand it is so easy to get insanely busy. I get that. But you can't let anything affect your prayer life. That is your life source to Christ. That's how you stay strong spiritually is quality time. And not just for pastors, for anybody. That's why I got this contest going on to help everybody kind of build your, your, your habits of prayer and Bible reading. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Verse 5, the, the proposal uh, pleased the whole company. They were happy to hear what the disciples came up with. So they chose Stephen, a man, what? Full of faith and the Holy Spirit. So they're full. I want to be full of faith. I want to be full of the Holy Spirit. You know, um, there, so there, years ago, there was a very famous preacher by the name of D.L. Moody. And when he was younger and, and just starting to get famous, there was others that didn't really quite know what the big deal was about. Uh, when he, he was to preach in a certain town, and one of the older men in a church asked, you know, why do we need this Mr. Moody? Does he think he has a monopoly on the Holy Spirit? And a younger evidently wiser man, spoke up and said, no, but the Holy Spirit has a monopoly on Mr. Moody. Does the Holy Spirit have a monopoly on you? Does the Holy Spirit control everything in your life? Or are you trying to maintain control in some area? You see, the Holy Spirit had a monopoly on Stephen. And everybody knew it. And he was a, a man full of wisdom, obviously, 
and faith. And so they, they, they chose him along with Philip and uh, Brocorus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenas and Nicholas. Not St. Nicholas. St. Nicholas came a few hundred years later. So this is a different Nicholas, not Santa Claus guy. Nicholas was a convert from Antioch. He had them stand before the apostles who, who prayed and laid their, so the apostles prayed and laid their hands on them. This, this signified this has been going on for thousands of years, way before Christians too. The Old Testament examples Laying on of hands signified the prayer of blessing, particularly for the beginning of a new ministry. And that's why we laid our hands on the Griffins and the Walshes. And that's why I'd hoped to lay hands on the Whitmans. So that's what apostles did with these seven these seven deacons. So notice another lesson too is the preacher can't do everything by himself. I could not have done uh, a small fraction of what we've accomplished at Servants Heart Chapel because uh, without any of you. From my kids to my wife to Tim and Emmett, since you've been around, you've helped too. Um, but Cody and Shine, I want to thank you. You never, to my knowledge, you've never complained. And I was always trying to be very careful not to ask too much of you. Because I know this is my ministry, not yours as far as my calling. So I don't want to put that on you, but I want to give you opportunities to serve. And you. And there were times where I did, I did definitely just need you. And you guys jumped in it, and you helped out, and we made it happen, and I couldn't have done it without you. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you very much. I couldn't be prouder. You were awesome. Awesome kids. And thank you, Missy. I thank you many times. And Tim, you've always been here from the very beginning. An ardent supporter and uh, you know, Emma, you're you're the kind of still kind of somewhat new one. This is the core right here. These and those who have come and gone have brought support to this church and allowed us to do just a ridiculous amount of stuff. Helping people, seeing people saved, helping the needy, encouraging one another. All because I didn't try to do anything by myself. If I tried that, that would have been an absolute, absolute failure. We probably wouldn't even be here today. Because you see here in verse 7, 
So the preaching about God flourished. It flourished. You know why it flourished? Because of the deacons. The deacons took care of the business so the preachers could focus on prayer and ministering of the word. And that's how it's supposed to work. And it works very well like that. So the preaching flourished. Number of disciples in Jerusalem multiplied greatly. And a, hu and a huge group of priests became obedient to the faith. I, I looked into that. And, 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 and of course, all of it's speculation. But everybody, every theologian that I read, every... Uh, expert, Bible expert that I read, everybody agrees, probably somewhere in the thousands of priests. Jewish priests, who, by the way, all lost their job the day they said they were a Christian. Because their job was to do what? Anybody? What's that? Preach Judaism, yeah, it's part of it. But they were part of the sacrificial system. Their job was to make animal sacrifices, which Jesus did away with. There was no need for that anymore. They, they, they're the ones who saw that, that veil between the Holy of Holies that hid, it ripped from the top to the bottom. And, and everybody saw the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies was something that nobody saw except for one priest one day a year. So only a tiny percentage of people actually walked in that room. And now it was ripped open and everybody saw. Why? Because God was giving the message, everybody has access now. And so, uh, you know, God multiplied disciples. A great number of priests uh, became Christ followers and all had to find new jobs. We're wrapping up this sermon really quick with an introduction to Stephen. We already talked that he was one of the deacons that was appointed. But Stephen, verse 8, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. It wasn't just the apostles. And then from what was called the Freedmen Synagogue, composed of both Cyrenians and Alexandrians and some from Cilicia, and Asia came forward and disputed or argued with Stephen. Verse 10, but they were unable to stand up against his wisdom and the spirit by whom he was speaking. They could not debate with him. His wisdom and the spirit in which he did it was just too much for them. They had no answer. And you know, that happened a few times in Christ's ministry. They stopped asking him questions. They had no answer uh, for Stephen. So what they do? What they resort to? Well, they weren't good men, so they resorted to lies. 
Verse 11, And they persuaded some men to say, We have heard him speaking blasphemous words against Moses and God. They served the people, the elders and the scribes, so they, dra- they came, dragged him off, and took him to the Sanhedrin. They also presented false witnesses who said, This man does not stop speaking blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we heard him say that Jesus Nazarene will destroy this place and change the customs that Moses handed down to us. And all who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at him and saw that his face was like the face of an angel. So here it was in court, being tried, had these people lying about him. But he had a a look of perfect peace on his face. That's what faith does, by the way. And God grants grace to those going through significant circumstances. God will give you the grace. You just trust the Lord. Okay, whatever comes, God. And so here you had Stephen standing up in front of everybody. Having had the lies told about them. You ever had lies told about you? It's discomforting, isn't it? In front of the religious leaders, the religious leaders, Sanhedrin, kind of like religious congress. And he begins to give a sermon. And what he says is poignant and powerful and is the gospel through and through. And we're going to get into that next Sunday. Let's stand. Thank you for joining us. If you liked this podcast, then hit the subscribe button. Also, take some time to rate us. Feel free to check out our website at servantsheartchapel.org and you can email us at servantsheartchapel at gmail.com. Thanks again and have a blessed week.